Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. I've experienced those lately. So glad that you're here at church today. Um, if we have not had the opportunity to meet yet, if you're a first time guest today, you should have came last week. We were handing out Disney passes. If you came last week and you came this week to win a Disney pass, sorry you didn't win the Disney pass, except for you in the corner. Congratulations. Everybody else, come back next week where we will be giving out not a Disney pass. It'll be his presence. Come on, somebody. And uh, he'll be here. And so we're just glad that you came last week, glad that you came back. If you weren't here last week, we celebrated three years as a church. We are a church plan, and we're so pumped for what God's doing in our community. It really is a special, special thing that he's doing here. And if this is your first time here today, we just want to welcome you and say thank you. There's a ton of things that you can be doing on a Sunday, but you chose to be with us, and we don't take that lightly. So I know that we already clapped and celebrated, but Journey Church, would you do me a favor one more time in welcoming all of our first-time guests? Come on. We're so glad that you're here. You could have done anything, and you're here. And so if you're looking for a church home, look no further. Welcome home. Welcome home. Journey Church, say welcome home. We really are glad that you're here. If you got hugged on the way in, he wasn't hitting on you. It's just who we are, and uh, it's, uh, it's who we are. It's what we do. We're huggers. We love you so much. If you, if you came in today, you're walking in a part two of a sermon series, which is just kind of a collection of talks that I give on the same topic. And this month, we're talking about fear. And the, the sermon series is called Fear and Not. And I'm excited to get into part two in just a moment. But before I do that, I just want to let you know something that Pastor Jenny already talked about, which is Vision Sunday, October 13th, coming up in just a few weeks. And we want you to be there so bad. I know that church attendance, it's, it's, you know, it, it changes based on what you have on your calendar. And we respect that. I would say this. If it's possible, you want to block this day off on your calendar because we are going to talk about the future of Journey Church and where we're going as a community. And I want to remind you, if you don't know this, and I said this last Sunday, um, I, I love the idea of church. I'm a big sports guy, by the way. I love, I love sports. And shout out, and I'm sorry to all the UCF people who lost yesterday. Um, you know, my heart breaks for you, and I uh, wish you had won that game. Also, uh, I suffer with you, not because of my college team. I'm a Gator fan. We won. But I am a Jets fan, and we are going to lose today. And so I am, <laughs> I am not, a, not a prophet, and the Lord did not reveal it to me, but I do have eyes. And so I know we are not going to win this game. Um, but uh, there's something about sports that draws us all in. If, you, if, if you've ever wondered why sports draws us in, I think it's that subconsciously we all desire to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We see 100,000 people with the same jersey on, and all of a sudden you're not alone anymore. And uh, the thing that you accomplished or they accomplished on the field, they didn't just accomplish on the field, but you accomplished in the stands. You know what I'm talking about? And I just want you to know you don't have to be athletic to be a part of a team. You are, there is some, there's another team called the kingdom of God, and, uh, and you are a part of something bigger 
than yourself already. There's something called a local church, and you're a part of something bigger. Every Sunday, God is doing miracles in this building. People are getting healed who are sick. Marriages are being restored. Depression is being healed. Sickness, uh, addictions are being broken. It's a beautiful thing. And so just by being a part of this community, I want you to know you're a part of a team. And on Vision Sunday, we're going to talk a little about where this team is going and the victories that we think we're going to uh, be experiencing uh, in the future. We're also making it really exciting for your kids. And so we've got inflatables. Uh, we've got petting zoos. Uh, I don't know about the petting zoos. I was just kidding about that. But we can, we can try. If you really want it, text me. Um, if you don't have my number, that's strategic. Um, but uh, you can talk to me in the hallway and I will field your suggestions. But we are gonna try and make it as exciting as possible for your children. It's just gonna be a great day. So October 13th, I'd love it if you were there. Well, is anybody ready to get into the word of God today? I know I am. Uh, like I said, we've been talking about fear. And last Sunday, uh, we've, been, we've been tackling some real fears too. Not to play down on your fear. Because I know some of you guys are like afraid of clowns and like afraid of snakes and like afraid of cats, which I totally get because the devil created them. And I get why you would be afraid of some of these things. But we're going a lot deeper. We're talking about some of these kind of these, these, these universal fears. And last week, we talked about the fear of being found out. And we talked about how it's not that you're fake. It's that you're, real, you're you. It's that you're so good, actually. It's not that you're fake, you're good. You're so good at something, though, that the thing that you're good at has become a shield to keep people out of who you really are because you don't feel like what you do. And you, you do success and you do successful. But behind the success, you feel like a failure. And so nobody really sees who you are because you're so good at what you do, albeit makeup, finances, career, humor, whatever, platform, preaching. I opened up a little bit. And, uh, and so we told you that God loves the you behind the curtain and that you don't have to be afraid that the fear of being found out is overcome once you understand that you've already been found. And when you've been found by Jesus, you don't have to be worried about being found out. He saw the you without the talent. He saw the you without the gifts. Today, I want to talk about the fear of making the wrong decision. Or it could be said, the fear of having made the wrong decision. If you need this sermon today, would you say amen? Amen. If you didn't say amen today, it's because you feared making the wrong decision. You were sitting down there like, should I say amen? Because if I say amen, then they're going to know I'm going through something. I'm going to stay quiet or do I say amen? I don't know. I'm afraid. So you need this. If you said it, if you didn't say it. I'm a very decisive person in certain things. And then I'm a very indecisive person in other things. Anybody like me? When it comes to what I want to eat, I'm very decisive. I know I'm a food guy. I know what I like. I know what I don't like, okay? Um, but one of the ways that I know I'm indecisive is around this time of the year. So uh, in two days, it'll be my birthday, and I'll be 33 years old in two days. And um, thank you. And uh, this is one of the ways I know I'm indecisive because last month, four weeks ago, my wife began to ask me, what do you want for your birthday a month ago? And it has now been four weeks, and I have not answered her question. It's just broad. You know, if she had given me three options, I could have picked one. But she said, what do you want? When you tell, some, when you tell a man that, ladies, it takes time, okay? Because we know we're not going to have this opportunity for long, okay? I love my wife, and she serves our home, and she's just the best mom and wife and friend that you could ever ask for. But it was only one time a year that she asks me, what do you want? And so, you know, it's been four weeks. I haven't said anything, and I know I've missed out because whatever she bought is probably already, Amazon is probably already delivering it. And in two days, I'm going to open it up and pretend that I like it. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. I'm going to love it. You, you always pick great for me. That's awesome. I love it. That's exactly what I wanted. <laughs> and uh, and it's, a, <laughs> it's a moment, though. The reason why I bring that story up is because a part of the fear is understanding that this isn't just any moment. It's a moment. And I think in our lives, we all have a form or a version of a moment, the moment. We wouldn't maybe call it that, but some people call it a crossroads moment in your life. And I think that there are a lot of people here today, I think the vast majority of us who in some area of our life, there is a crossroad moment and you're wondering, uh, how, do I, how, do I, how do I navigate this? Do I make the right decision? How do I make the right decision? Did I make the right decision? Did I make the wrong decision? And I wanna help you with that. Depending on who you are, that moment could look like different things. It, a crossroad moments could be as simple as buying you know, a new house or do I stay renting? You know, it's kind of a seller's market right now, so do I wait for it to turn into a buyer's market? But at the same time, interest rates are historically low, so do I jump in? I'm not sure, do I rent or do I go? Do I stay at home and live with mom and not pay rent? The answer is yes, stay as long as she lets you, okay? <laughs> As long as she or he lets you, you stay there right now. It's, it's safe there, okay? Stay there. All right, whatever freedom you think you're going to have when you get out, it doesn't exist. Just stay where you are, all right? You don't want a mortgage right now. I'm telling you, um, unless you can afford it. Or maybe it's a car. You know, do I, do I stay in the hoopty that I currently have? Or is it time to upgrade and, and buy a, a better car? Because, you know, my car is, is making some weird noises, you know? So I need to know, do I get a new car and get into payments? Or do I just lay hands on that sucker? <laughs> Every time I get rid of it in Jesus' name, come on. You said mountains move and they shall be moved. Toyota, in the name of Jesus, move. You said it, Lord. You said it can be that. It could be finding a new job, you know, and maybe you got the dream job, the opportunity that opens up. The only problem is this job opportunity is in another city. Now you have to decide, do I stay here with my support system? I've never been better spiritually. I've never been better emotionally. I've never been better physically, but my dream job is over there. So do I leave my support system or do I chase the dream job? That's a big decision. Another decision could be relationship status. Maybe there's some, some ladies in the room today and you've been in a relationship with this guy for a long time, but he is Mr. No Commit. And uh, there is there's no sign that there is a ring on the way anytime soon. And you are starting to wonder if all the years that you invested in this relationship is it was a waste. And so now maybe you're asking yourself, do I cut it off now? And do I just hope that the cute guy sitting two rows in front of me at Journey Church who was worshiping and didn't have a, a ring on his finger, that he'll turn around and invite me to join his small group? <laughs> right now, eight guys just looked back. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. You're like, we meet on Wednesday, 7 o'clock. <laughs> Look me up on the directory. <laughs> it's a big decision, right? Because it's a moment, and we're not really sure. I think there are three factors that really play into the fear of making the wrong decision. Because making a decision is scary and it's weighty. Number one, I think that it's the amount of decisions that we're being asked to make on a daily basis that plays into our fear. Because there's so many, how in the world do you get them all right? Cornell University did a study recently and found that the average person, believe it or not, makes 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day. Which when I first heard it, I'm like, that's a lie. Um, but it makes sense because when your alarm goes off, you're already faced with like the most important decision of your day. To snooze or not to snooze. Already, you got a, a mother of a decision to make right there. 
because you know that's going to set the whole trajectory of your day, either on or off, and your day just started. So I can, I, you know, I, I, I get it. And I really do think that, that that world that we live in today, it is the product of a Western world. Um, in Eastern cultures, it might not be the same, but in Western cultures, it's, it's very much like that because we just, we, we, want, we want choices because we think that in the, in the abundance of choices, there's more freedom. But I have found that in the abundance of choices, there's actually bondage. I found that. Like, I don't know if you, uh, case in point, Netflix. I know you've been wondering how many movies are actually on your Netflix. So being the pastor that I am, I went home last night and I began to count. I'm just playing. I didn't count. I Googled it. I Googled it. Somebody's like, he's committed. Um, I Googled it and there are almost 10,000 movies on your Netflix. 10,000 movies, y'all. Which at first glance, at face value, you go, ooh, that's great. But is it though? Because I don't know if you're like me. Out of the fear of not wanting to waste 90 minutes watching a movie I don't like, I'll waste 90 minutes finding a movie I never find. <laughs> Are you with me? At the end, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know. What do we got on regular TV? <laughs> I want them to tell me because I can't decide. Here's what I've discovered, though, in that same vein. More is lost to indecision than the wrong decision. Have you noticed that? Because, listen, I get why you're indecisive. You're indecisive because of the risk of making the wrong decision. But here's what I figured out. And if you think about it, you'll figure it out, too. You know, you could spend three years trying to make a decision and still make the wrong decision. So being indecisive doesn't eliminate the risk of the wrong decision. It only adds to the risk of making the wrong decision the anxiety and stress of being indecisive. So, so do you want to make the wrong decision and have peace? Or do you want to make the wrong decision and be, and be anxious? <laughs> it really is your choice. It's better, honestly, to make the wrong decision than to be indecisive. I tell my staff that all the time. I'd rather you make the wrong one than to just sit on it. Make a decision. But we do that. But I get it. I get why you're being indecisive. Because some people say, well, you know, Jay, that's Netflix. But I got some real decisions. I mean, I got a decision like whether to stay in my marriage or not. Like, that's a big decision. I get it. But how do you know what decision is big and small? Because there are some small decisions that look small on the surface. But then in time, you found out that those small decisions weren't small at all. They actually led to pretty big consequences. I read this story in Reader's Digest. I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. It's the story of George Keith. George Keith decided to buy a brand new BMW. He decided to buy a brand new BMW. While driving through Central Park, the vehicle shifted into first gear unexpectedly. He didn't need his car fixed right away, but he decided to make an appointment at the dealership for 7 a.m. The following morning anyway, with the hopes of making it to his 8 a.m. meeting at work. Keith says, I got to the BMW dealership at 7 when they opened, but the mechanics decided that that day that they weren't going to work until 8 a.m. I was so upset, but instead of just leaving my car there, I decided to wait an hour for a three-minute repair. I left the shop and raced down the expressway late to my meeting on the 73rd floor of Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. Sitting in traffic, I looked behind me to see a jet flying lower than I've ever seen. I could not take my eyes off it as it smashed into the second tower on September 11th, 2001. Small decision or big decision? I used to have a math teacher. He would try to get me to get the answers really quick. And he was like, hurry up and make a decision, JJ. Mr. Vasquez, it's not life or death. Now I read that story and I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know it's not? What if I get this wrong and that I don't get into the college I want, that I don't get the job that I want, that I don't get the girl that I want, and now I'm alone, depressed, living in a van down by the river? 
don't know. So now I got this anxiety. And listen, that might be an extreme example, but it's because we live in a world like that, every micro decision feels macro. Feels like the weight of the world is on that one decision. Like, I gotta get this right. I think another aspect of the fear of decision making is really just another version of the fear of missing out. How many people know FOMO? I, I had a great job as a youth pastor here in Orlando. I had 300 kids. I loved doing it. It was the best job ever. I loved it until I got a job offer to another place. Somebody called me making more money, speaking to more people on a regular basis. I, I, I would have gone from speaking to 300 people on a weekly basis to speaking to thousands of kids on a weekly basis. And I thought about it, but I love my job so much, I said no. The moment I said no and stood where I was, I went on Instagram. That's a fail right there. Went on Instagram. They gave the job to someone else, and I see him online doing his little 60-second clip, and uh, the ones that we do now. And uh, he does that. And, and he was preaching to thousands of kids, and I felt so unsatisfied with where I was. And I felt so much regret. Listen, not because what I had wasn't great, but because I wondered if it could be better. Some of you guys are not satisfied with your current life, not because your current life isn't awesome, but because the fear of making the wrong decision has you wondering, can it be even better? The fear of making the wrong decision will hurt you even if you make the right decision, which is why you got to get over it. So how do we do it? How do we overcome the fear of making the wrong decision? I think we can overcome the fear of making the wrong decision by developing confidence in our decision-making process. All right, so I'm gonna go to the word and I'm gonna go to the scripture and kind of see how God helped people make decisions in the Bible. And to do that, we're gonna view it dispensationally. Now, dispensationally is a big word. It's a, a, a theological word. And what it means, it comes from the word dispensation. It just means an age, just an era, like an age of time. And so when people say, well, if it just means that, why didn't you just say that? Because I spent a lot of money on a Bible degree and I wanna use the word sometimes, okay? And so... So when you study the Bible, there tend to be three dispensations that we talk about. The dispensation before Christ, during Christ, and after Christ. In the dispensation before Christ, whenever you wanted to make a decision, you'd go to the priest. And the priest had, this is not a lie. You're going to be like, he's making this up. It's in your Bible, okay? The priest had what was called an urum and a thummim. An urum and a thummim. You know what they were? We don't really know. Theologians don't know, but we have an idea. Dice. They were dice that had two sides. One side said yes, the other side said no. And you would pray and you'd ask God a question. And then you would roll it. And if both dice said yes, I was like, the Lord. And if both sides said no, I was like, the devil, don't do it. How many people, how much would you pay on Amazon right, for divine dice? Could you imagine that? You take the dice, you just ask the Lord a question. You know, I'm going to go back to this whole single thing because I feel like, you know, he's the one for me. I feel like we asked the Lord, he, she's the one. Just imagine, you could just be like, Lord Jesus, is it Jerry or is it Brad? <laughs> if I roll evens, it's Jerry. <laughs> if I roll odds, it's Brad. If I roll doubles, it's Tom. <laughs> Bam. Could you imagine? How cool would that be? Except that there was a third scenario. And that was if you rolled the dice and the um said yes, but the thumb said no. In that case, you didn't get an answer. And you had to wait. That's the dispensation before Christ. How about the dispensation during Christ? That's pretty obvious, right? Could you imagine walking with Jesus? I mean, right now, when we have a question, we go, hey, Google. When we got a question now, we go, hey, Siri. When we got a question now, we go, hey, Alexa, could you imagine rolling with Jesus? 
You got a question? You're like, hey, Jesus. Tom Bradder. I don't know the other name I made up, but Jerry. I got Tom and Jerry in my mind right now. <laughs> Tom Bradder, Jerry, Jesus, who is it? Tell me. And in your mind, you would think that that is awesome and that is cool and that is perfect because it's Jesus. And if anybody's going to give you an answer, it's Jesus. He's not going anywhere. Would it though? Because I studied Jesus my whole life. And here's what I know about Jesus. He never gave anybody a straight answer. <laughs> Jesus always spoke in parables. You would have been, you think, I would have loved to walk with Jesus. You would have hated it. <laughs> you would have hated it. You would have been like, Jesus, is it Tom, Brad, or Jerry? And Jesus would have been like, a camel has two humps. But only one hump carries water, my child. <laughs> and you'd have been like, Jesus, chill out. I just need an answer. And he's like, the camel walks west to east. These who know these things will know these things. You're like, well, I don't know these things, bro. I just need Tom, Jerry, Brad. Give me the dice. Give me the dice. You know? So even, even when you walked with Jesus, there was a bit of uncertainty. Here's why I make this point. Because I don't want you to confuse, for those who are in the middle of making the decision right now, your lack of clarity with a lack of intimacy. You are in a relationship with God and it's going good. But you're at a decision crossroad and you're not getting the answer that you want. And you think it's because something's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. Just because it's not clear doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Even the people who were close to the Lord in the Old Testament, they still had some uncertainty. Even the people who walked with Jesus, they still had uncertainty. There's a reason for the uncertainty. Because if you rolled the Urim and the Thummim and you didn't get your answer, guess what you had to go do? Go back and pray. When Jesus gave you the parable and you didn't understand it, you know what he would tell you to do? Just keep walking with me. In other words, sometimes the answer to your question isn't an answer. The answer to your question is Jesus. But Jesus knew that if he gave you the answer to your question, you stop praying. So he holds out on the answer because he is the answer. You just need to know that. Like, it's okay to not know where to go. It's okay to not know who to marry. It's okay to not know what the dream job is. It doesn't mean that you're off with God. Chances are he's right there with you. Chances are he's right there with you. And what about the dispensation after Christ? You would think that today we have it made. Because in the Urim and Thummim days, you had to find the priest. But there was really only one high priest. So you had to get in line. In the dispensation of Christ, you would have had to find Christ. But there was only one Christ. So you would have had to get in line. But today, we have God as the person of the Holy Spirit. If you're unaware with that biblical teaching, all that means is God lives inside of everyone who recognizes Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. So in other words, I got a hotline. I got a hotline to, to heaven. Hotline to heaven. Come on, that's a, that's a song at least. <laughs> Next sermon series. Hotline to heaven. Oh, that's really good. Anyway. Just made that up. Um, you would think now you have like access, like anytime you want to. So, so, so how does it work? Well, let's see. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. We're now in the dispensation after Christ, also known as dispensation of the church, of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is living in people. And, here, and they have to make a decision. And the reason they have to make this decision, who has to make the decision? The church leaders. Peter and the rest of the apostles. And here's the decision that they have to make because they're at a crossroads. They're noticing that people who weren't born Jewish are receiving the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, getting in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some people are concerned 
because they thought that you had to be born Jewish to become a Christian. And God is saying, I didn't just die for one people group. I died for the whole world. But they don't know where the line should be. So they're praying about it. They're thinking about it. They're trying to make a decision. And there was a, a sect. There was a group of Christians who, like Christians do, I'm not hating on Christians because I'm one of them, but like we do sometimes, there was a group that was trying to make it harder to get into heaven than Jesus made it harder to get into heaven, which we often do. And this is what they said the requirement was. They said, if anybody wants to get to heaven, this is what their requirement was. You have to be circumcised. I'm like, listen here. It is hard enough to get a man baptized. You want me to get him circumcised? Before he, could you imagine if in next steps class, We're like, here's what you have to do to become a member. It's real easy. Serve on a team. Come to church. And we got a room in the back. <laughs> For those who really want to get committed. <laughs> and so Peter, Peter and the apostles and the church leaders come together and they decide that that's crazy. We're not going to make anybody do that. And here's how they made the decision. Acts 15, 28. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to not burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Now, here's my whole problem with this. It seemed good? Are you telling me that we were this close to having circumcision as a requirement to be in the church, but we didn't because it seemed good? Like, it seemed good? Doesn't that come off like kind of like, eh, <laughs> to you? It does to me. Like in what other context would it be okay to make a decision just because it seems good? Like imagine for a moment your wedding day. You put on your tux. Your wife gets her bridal dress on. You show up to the altar. The reverend is there. And he's like, well, mister, whatever. Do you plan? Do you, do you, do you, do you want to take this woman as your lawful little wife? Do you, do you promise to love and to hold and to cherish and sickness and health? And you're like, yes, absolutely. And then he goes to the wife and he says, uh, Miss, whatever, would you like to take a him to be a lawfully wedded husband to have and to hold and richer for poorer, sickness or in health, the death to apart? And your answer was, I guess. <laughs> I mean, seems good. <laughs> goes to church. Last guy didn't go to church. Seems good. Has a job. Last guy didn't have a job. Seems good. He's funny. Not as funny as he thinks he is, but he's still funny. Seems good. Seems good. I don't know about you, but a lot of the problems I've gotten into in my life are because I made them because it seemed good. I'm telling you, the first time you ever get your hands on a credit card, whoo, Seems good. Walk into a store, you see the brand new J's, or you see that, that shirt that you want, or you see that, that thing that you want to buy, and you don't even have to, you get there, and you have a plastic card that tells you that you don't even have to have the money for it. You could buy these shoes right now, and you don't even have to have money for it. Seems good. <laughs> you go to the car dealership, and you see a nice car, and the, and the salesman always, you know, and you're like, no, I don't think I can afford it. And he's like, oh, well, we can work out the payments. Da, 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 da. And you can pick it out. And then you get your paper, and it's like 9,000 payments of $60 a month. Your kids are paying off your car. 
And you're thinking, there's no way I can pay this car, but the way you just explained it, seems good. Seems good. I was home alone. She came over. Boyce the Men was playing in the back. Wine was flowing. She looked at me. I looked at her. Seemed good. <laughs> seemed real good. <laughs> you, know, you know what else? You know who else seems good? Your baby. Baby seems real good. Yeah, it seems like a cute baby that was made on that day. Um, seems good. I'm just saying there's a lot of things. This, if, I'm in a, if I'm in a problem right now, it's because of the decision I made, just because it seemed good. In fact, the Bible would say the same thing. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems good to a man, but its end is the way to death. And you know who wrote that? Solomon. And you know a little about Solomon? Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And you know how he ended up with 700 wives? <laughs> he was like, girl, you make a mean roast beef. You mean I can eat this every day of my life? Seems good. Seems good. That's how you end up with 700 wives. Seems good. And Solomon was like, I spent my whole life doing what seems good to me. And I want to tell you, it didn't work out. So how do we reconcile these two passages? How do we reconcile Acts 15 that says we made a decision because it seemed good. But then Proverbs 14 that says I about died because I got 700 wives and alimony and it seemed good. <laughs> but it wasn't and it leads to death. How do we reconcile the two? Well, the truth is they're not the same verse. Let's read Proverbs again. It says, there is a way that seems good to a man. In other words, Solomon is saying, there is a way that seems good to me. And when I made a decision because it seemed good to me, it led to death. But that is not what Peter is saying in Acts. Let's go back to Acts now and see what Peter said. He didn't say there is a way that seemed good to me. He said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So if I make a decision in the vacuum without God, if I make a decision in the vacuum without my community, I will always make the wrong decision. But if it seems good to God and if it seems good, then now all of a sudden we have a framework for decision making. And here is the framework for decision making. Number one, ask God. Now, let me just tell you something about this Bible. Seven out of ten of your questions can be answered in this Bible. Seven out of ten. And if you just read this, it'll tell you. A lot of the answers to those questions, okay? Now, it doesn't answer every question, and I want to be real honest about that. And sometimes when you pray, God will give you an answer, but sometimes when you pray, he doesn't. And I just want to be real honest about that because I don't want you to go home and be like, I asked God, and I don't know. Because sometimes you pray, sometimes you read the Bible, and you still don't know. That's cool, but the first thing you want to do is see what God has to say about it. And oftentimes what you're praying about afterwards is not for his direction, but for the courage to do what he says. I find more often that I struggle with not to know what is the right thing and the wrong thing, but the courage to do the right thing. But let's just say you still don't know what to do. Remember, he said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So the second thing you have to do is ask God and check with the church. Now, before you wonder about our theology, and this is not that kind of church, I do not need to stamp off on all of your decisions. In fact, I would prefer it if you didn't ask me. <laughs> I get other, and I, I see you trying to offload your decision on my life. I will not make that decision. 
because then it'll be my fault for the rest of my life. So, and I'm not saying that we got a board of directors that you got to make an appointment with. And if you get five out of six, it's God's will. That's not what I'm saying either. What I'm saying is you can't just go to people, just anybody. Okay. You can't just go to your mom and be like, is he the one? Your mom's going to say yes because she wants a grandbaby. (laughs) Every time she's going to say yes. And we got to be careful because I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and you had one parent who will always say yes. And you had one parent who will always say no. And you were real careful to make sure to ask the parent who will always say yes when the parent who always said no wasn't home. So then when the parent who always said no caught you doing what you knew they wouldn't want you doing, you were just like, the other parent said yes. Take it up with them. That's your problem. Can I do your thing? That's on you. I got the yes. Here's what I know about humanity. Are you ready? You're always going to go to the people you know are going to give you the answer that you want. Always. Always. And we're going to stray away from the people in our life that we know are going to challenge us. And you need good people. So when I say church, I don't mean this building. I mean, you got to become friends with a group of Jesus followers who don't just care about you emotionally, but care about you spiritually enough to tell you. And I am excited to announce that we have a space for that here at Journey called small groups. And if you get in a small group, you will be surrounded by people who will help you. Now, let me just give you a little word for your small group. Don't just drop the bomb on day one. Hi, my name's uh, Lisa, and uh, thinking about leaving my husband. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> no, because they don't know you enough yet, to be honest with you. But spend some time. You get to know each other. All of a sudden, that honesty is going to be there, and they're going to help you. So you need to get, and then, now, now here's the thing. But what if I talk to God, and I don't get an answer? What if I get around people, and I still don't get an answer? I'm still inconclusive. Is that what you're thinking right now? I know it is. <laughs> What if, JJ, what if I read the Bible, and what if I pray, and what if I get in a small group, and every, but nobody's giving me a straight answer, and I'm still confused, and I still don't know what to do? I got the answer for you. I know what to do. Are you ready for this? This is going to blow your mind. This is going to physically move your body, okay? This is going to just push. It's gonna, are, you, are you ready for this? If so, say amen. Okay, if you really want, I'm going to tell you, I'm just telling you, I did a lot of Bible study. I went into the Greek, the Hebrew, Latin, Russian, um, and Russian's not in the Bible. And I figured it out, guys. I figured it out. If you still don't know the answer after you ask God and after you check with the church, it's going to set you free. Are you ready? Here you go. Put it on the screen. Decide. Some of you are like, but I can't. That's why it's the third point. Just decide. Why? Acts 15, 28, because even after they spoke to the Holy Spirit and even after they got from the community, y'all, it's still, it still just seemed good. And now I'm going to drop two controversial statements on you. So controversial. You might not want to come back after you hear them, but I have been studying and I really believe them to be true. And you got to give me some time biblically to prove it to you. But I really believe them to be true. Here's my two controversial statements. Just don't hate on me until you hear me explain it. I believe this with all my heart. Number one, I believe. I don't believe. I don't believe that with God I will always make the right decision. To be clear, I believe that God always makes the right decision. I don't just trust myself. I don't trust myself to always hear him the right way. I know that my heart is biased. 
And I know that I've got people around me, some are good, some are bad. I still live in those communities. I know that I don't always make the right decisions. So I, I, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. And I want to let you know that because I'm freeing you. I, I, I talk to God on a regular basis. My, my marriage is good. I don't have any secret sin. And can I tell you, in the last two weeks alone, I've probably made 18 bad decisions. Does that mean anything wrongs with me? No, I just, I'm a human. So I don't believe that just because you come to church, just because you read your Bible, you're always going to make the right decision. I don't believe that. But here's what I do believe. And this is probably the most controversial thing you'll hear today but I'm going to explain it to you and prove it to you in the Bible. Here's what I do believe. I believe that with God, I don't have to fear making the wrong decision. I believe that with all my heart. Now, before I explain that to you in the Bible, I just want to be clear. This is not a license. This is not a theological license to do stupid things. But look, I'm just out of here. My wife didn't make the dinner like I liked it. So I don't have to fear making the wrong decision. So I'm out. Don't do that. After you pray, after you read the word, after you get in a community, I believe with all my heart, listen, you don't have to be afraid anymore, whether you go to your left or whether you go to your right, because here's what I know about God. First off, read the story of Judges chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. This is Samson and his first wife. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there one woman in our tribe among all the Israelites you can marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She seems good. Y'all, it was the wrong decision. The Bible was super clear on that. He was not supposed to marry outside of his tribe. It was the wrong decision, but he made it because it seems good to me. Verse four, but here's what, he didn't, here's what, here's what the father and mother didn't know. His father and mother didn't realize, though, that the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines who ruled over Israel at that time. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Your bad decision can be God's opportunity. You might have made a bad decision, but here's what I know about God. He can work with your bad decision, and he can work in your bad decision still for your good and for his glory. I know it. I have a son, his name's Justice, he loves Legos. One day, I spent a hundred something dollars on a Batman cave Lego set, and it stood on the shelf for three weeks. I got so mad, because in our family, we have a motto, finish what you started. Three weeks later, the Batman was on the shelf, and I said, why isn't this Lego built? He said, because I can't find a, a piece. I said, what piece? It was a little blue square. And he's one of those kids that has to do everything by the book, exactly, exactly. And he said, well, if I can't find that piece, I don't want to build it. I told him, I said, you better get creative. I said, you got blue pieces upstairs. Just use another blue piece. And we fought and we fought and we fought over what blue pieces to use. And I finally, I just told him, I said, Bobby, just work with it, man. Just get creative and just work with it. And I just, and he did, and he did. And now he makes things, they don't even look like what they look like on the box anymore. And when I ask him why they don't look like they look on the box, he goes, I got creative. I just worked with it, Dad. I worked with it. Couldn't figure it out, so I worked with it. I want you to know we serve a creative God. And guess what? I know your decisions weren't the best, and maybe it's got you in a place that you never thought you'd be. But here's something you need to know about Jesus. He can work with it. 
He's so creative. He can take that piece. He can take this piece. He can put that piece here and that piece here. And here's what I know about that toy. That toy didn't look like what it was supposed to look like on the box, but it still served the purpose that it was created to do. And here's what I know about your life if you make some bad decisions. It might not look like what you thought it would look like on the box, but your life will still serve the purpose that God created your life to serve. Nothing can thwart the purposes of God. Nothing can thwart the plans of God. Nothing can thwart God's hope for your life. Nothing, nothing, nothing. You got a purpose. It might not look the same, but he's going to accomplish the same goal. He's going to accomplish the same mission. He's going to do the same thing. Stand to your feet all over this place. Stand to your feet. I'm going to hit these two real, I'm going to hit these three real fast because it's going to help you. There was a guy named Jonah and, and, and he was supposed to go to the city named Nineveh. And he didn't go to the city. He was supposed to preach to it. But he got scared. And so he got in a boat and he left to this city named Tarshish. That light is Tarshish. That light is Nineveh. He got on the boat at Nineveh and he started going all the way to Tarshish. Halfway to Tarshish, he falls off the boat. A big fish swallows Jonah. He repents in the fish. I'm sorry, God. I made a bad decision. I made a bad decision. And when he says that, Jonah 2.10, then God spoke to the fish and it vomited up Jonah on the seashore. Here's the next verse. Next, God spoke to Jonah a second time. Up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh and preach to them. I don't know if you noticed, but he didn't get in another boat. You know why? Because he chose to go this way. But when God spit him up, he spit him, he, the fish caught him over there. But when the fish spit him up, he spit him up on the seashores of where he was supposed to be all along. Here's what I know. Your bad decision can set the direction, but God's grace sets the destination. You can make a decision that'll get you going to the left when you weren't supposed to do it, but God is so good that he can reroute your life and he can say, I'm so grateful that my GPS system doesn't give up on me. I'm so grateful that when I make the wrong choice, she's just, she has an Australian voice. She's just like, well, there you go, mate. I've given up on you grateful she doesn't say that you know I could drive three days in the wrong direction but three days from now she'll tell me exactly how to get back to where I was going it might take a little longer it might not be the route I chose but I will end up where the Lord decided I'd end up he's good like that he's good like that he's good like that he'll get you he'll get you where you have to go even if you made the wrong decision I know about the story of this guy named David David was you know David in the Bible man he's just the king man he did so many good things except this one day he made a bad decision. He saw this woman, Bathsheba, taking a bath outside and then, and then killed her husband. She was married because he wanted to marry her. Killed her husband, married her. They had a kid. That kid died. Bad decision. Bad decision, David. But here's what it says in 2 Samuel 12, 24. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and slept with her. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And David named him Solomon. You know that Solomon is an imagery of wisdom because he's, he writes all the wisdom books, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Proverbs. He wrote them. And his name means wisdom. Here's what God told me to tell you. Your bad decision can give birth to God's wisdom. It can. Hey, say what you want about your last boyfriend. He taught you something. Say what you want about your last marriage. I'm so sorry it ended the way that it ended but you learn something. Don't waste it. You don't got to repeat that in your next marriage. You can take the lessons and you can become wiser and you can become smarter and you can become braver and have more courage. Don't let that bad decision define you. Learn from it. Let wisdom come from it. I know that job wasn't the best job. I know you wish you had stood in ministry. I know you wish you had stood at that place. I know you wish you had never moved, but what did you learn from the last season of your life? Don't let it pass you by. Draw wisdom from it. It can teach you something. 
Matthew chapter 27, verse 21 through 22. Jesus is about to die on the cross, but it's Passover weekend. And Pilate, he's the governor, he allows the people to vote who doesn't get to die. And there's Jesus on one side and this other guy named Barabbas. You got Barabbas on one side and Jesus on the other side. Barabbas was a murderer. Jesus did nothing. Pilate wants the people to let Jesus go, but only they can decide. So he puts it to them. People, who do you want to let go? Jesus or Barabbas? Who do you want to go free? Which of the two do you want, verse 21, me to release to you? The murderer, Barabbas? Barabbas, they answered. Verse 22, well, then what shall I do with Jesus, who was called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Bad decision? Bad decision, huh? Or was it? Because if that decision had not been made, your bad decision can be God's setup for a resurrection. This is my last point. I need to tell somebody who feels like their decision has got them at rock bottom. You know this last hurricane they hit, Dorian? My wife and I were looking at our fence. We got one fence in our house that is just destroyed. It's not good. It's barely standing. And we thought it's barely standing. We should tie it up to the palm tree so it can stand the storm. And then we remembered we have home insurance. So I looked at her and she looked at me. And I was like, what if we forget to tie it up and the storm makes it fall and then we have to get we then we can get a new fence and we don't even gotta pay for it. She was all about that plan. So we did it and the storm really didn't come and I wasn't I was sad, I was glad that it, that it didn't come. But I was kinda hoping there'd just be like one gust, you know? Just to knock that sucker down, I could file for that with the insurance. All I'm saying is, listen, I wanted it to come down because before I could build something new, the thing that was there before had to come down. Before I could rebuild, I had to destroy. See, don't, don't, don't judge your decision just yet. It might have been a bad one, and I'm sure it had some consequences, and I'm sure you wish you could take it back. But if that decision caused things in your life to come down, what if that was part of God's master plan all along so that he could rebuild, so that he could renovate, so that he could make new, so that he can put in place something that'll last? What if he needed the storm to knock it down so he could build something that could withstand every storm, that can withstand every hurricane, that can withstand every gust, that can withstand every wind? I just believe we serve that kind of God who would allow a bad decision to build a better person. That's you today and you've been wrestling with regret. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads as we go into a moment of worship and prayer. Father, my confidence is not that I make the right decision but that your grace and your goodness will always hold me and always be with me. I am so grateful that I serve the Lord who will never let me down. I wish I hadn't made the decision. It had consequences, and I'm living in those consequences today, and they hurt, but this is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. This is not the end of the story. This is not the end of my chapter. I believe, Lord God, you will not let us down. I believe that if I trust in you and if I hold in you, you're going to let us go. You're going to grow us. You're going to move us. You're going to move me. I put my faith in you, Jesus. I trust in you, not in me. I always make the wrong decision, but you make the right decision. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.